Hey, this is the DM Discourse, a podcast about D&D focused on the experience at the table from behind the screen. I'm your host, Daryl, and today I'm not talking about D&D or DMing, in fact. I'm going to talk about Gen Con. I played a bunch of games that weekend, and I figured it'd be fun to talk about them. I've been wanting to play a bunch of these for a long time, and one in particular that I was absolutely floored by. So uh, stick around. Campaign logs resume next episode. For now, I'm just going to ramble about being a player for a change. Waking up from cryo was worse than any morning after, at least for Joe. A symphony of jackhammers to the tune of Cannon and D painful. It would be dark coffee and bland soup for the day's meals to readjust, but the corporation never provided much better for their trips this far in the deep black. A crack of stiff bones and the captain hopped out of the pod to head towards the mess. The USCSS Montero's familiar hum became the only noise in the emptiness of space as the cacophony in his head receded. He was the first up, and he kept tabs on his crew as they followed after. Leo Davis was next. Captain Miller, he said. See you're up bright and early. Are you going to join us for breakfast? In a bit, pilot. Checking the cargo. The vid screen dumped info on the shipment a few decks below. It read for a clean bill of health on several hundred pounds of explosive material. Highly reactive when not contained and absolutely a necessity for the mining operations out on the frontier. Joe traced his calloused hand over the numbers, way bigger than any prize they'd hauled before. For the captain of the Montero, this was a start to buying his way out from under the corporate yoke, enough cash for a ship to call his own. He fiddled with the Wayland yutani jacket patch, and he joined the rest of the crew in the mess, now woken up from cryo as well. He preferred to stand than sit next to John Wilson. Please, Joe, come join us here at the table. Wilson had seen the same toothless wry smile as every other corporate agent. We have plenty of room. I'll be just fine standing. He eyed the two roughnecks. Kyle, Liam, you two all right? From the bridge he heard Kyle cuss after he broke a mug on the floor. A couple bits were still there. Make sure you get through all your shakes soon. Work starts here in an hour. Liam gave an eager smile and Kyle a stern nod. Don't worry about it, Captain. Just a bad freeze is all. How far are we out from our destination? (sighs) Dunno. Haven't checked. Once we're done here, we'll meet up on the bridge and get our situation set and... The lights throughout the ship began to flash and a blaring message arrived over the intercom. Captain Joe Miller, report to Mother for further instruction. Hell, guess we're starting early. Joe dug his clothes out from the locker and made his way across the ship to the central computer. Leo the pilot called out as he got halfway across. Captain, we picked up a distress beacon, but... He paused. There's nothing out here. What do you mean, nothing? Not a damn thing, nothing, Kyle said. Zip. Specs and space dust. The 
crew fell silent and all eyes on the captain. Ain't got an answer yet, but I think I'm about to get one. With each step Joe took to the door that the mother computer ran behind, he felt the paycheck from the cargo below slip between his fingers. Moments passed, weighted by hundreds of zeros. Another day at the beck and call of the corp. All hope of an easy delivery gone, and all it took were a few short words from the computer. You have a new directive, Captain Joe Miller. This signal is the mark of the USCSS Cronus, last seen 75 years ago. Your new mission is as follows. If you haven't heard of Gen Con and you're in this hobby, you definitely should check it out. It's a long-running convention currently running out of Indianapolis during the summer, dedicated to all kinds of traditional gaming. It's got miniatures and card games and board games and uh, what I spent most of my time doing this year online, role-playing games. Um, Better yet, with the current pandemic having the planet on a perpetual lockdown, they even made the badges free for the event this year. You just had to pay uh, for whatever fee there was for the events that it was you were interested in attending, which I think is pretty normal as a way to guarantee people will actually show up to play. I can't lie, I've had my share of D&D games I signed up for while drunk the night before and never made it to the next morning. Uh, I've only been to Gen Con once in person back in 2016, and that was a real fun weekend. I can't recommend it enough to you if you're even remotely interested in the kinds of things they have going on. It's a great place to check out previews for products coming out, panels for companies and content creators, and so much more. I was especially impressed with how well it made it into an online environment. They have a a ticketing system for signing up for events, and it more or less transitioned seamlessly to running online. Since that was the case and I wasn't doing anything better that weekend, I ended up playing four games of role-playing games, all not D&D, and all of them as a player. I think I'll have an ongoing segment like this where uh, if I ever have the chance to be on the other side of the table and have uh, a really great time, um, I can do a recap, especially, you know, if uh, it's a game that's out of my normal wheelhouse, which is the uh, case for all four of the games that I ended up playing that weekend. (laughs) The first game I got to play that weekend was with a buddy of mine and his friends, Delta Green. It's one I've been dying to get a chance to get on the table for any of my, you know, one of my home groups. It's a Lovecraftian cosmic horror-based game and works similarly to Call of Cthulhu, uh, which is much more infamous and well-known, I think. If you're at all familiar with that, um, but as opposed to the late 19th, 20th century, early 20th century, that the game generally takes place in, um, to be synced up to the time of its source material, Delta Green takes place primarily during the modern era and focuses on conspiracies. The characters that you play uh, are government agents with stakes in the events occurring, called upon by the eponymous Delta Green organization, whose legitimacy depends on your campaign as well, um, to investigate what are called unnaturals, occur- eh, occurrences of the strange and grotesque in our world. They did a standalone release of the game back in 2016, which is the one I've been hoping to play for a while, so when my friend said he was looking to play a game during Gen Con Online, uh, there was no way I could pass up the opportunity. (laughs) Um, And I'm not even the biggest fan of H.P. Lovecraft. I think his writing's kind of dull. The ideas and inspiration he sparked in others, much more entertaining to sift through. 
Um, one of my particular favorites uh, for anything horror-related at all is uh, Junji Ito, a prolific horror manga artist and also is iconic um, of the kinds of things that I want from a cosmic horror experience. The fact that Delta Green takes place in the current time period is what drew me to it, and if that idea intrigues you, I can easily re recommend trying the game out. There's a quick start that they have called Need to Know, which you can find for free online, and they even have an adventure bundle up on DriveThruRPG during the quarantine, which I'm probably going to force my friends to play. The mission, or uh, Night at the Opera, as they're referred to in-game, that our keeper ran us through was called Operation Fulminate. Ful Fulmin? That's what I think is pronounced. Uh, it took us out to the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir in California to investigate the sudden reappearance of a child in the park. The weird part was that the child had been missing since the 80s. I played one Dr. Lee Palmer, an anthropologist curator of the Smithsonian Washington, D.C., with an interest in photography. He and his fellow agents rolled on up to the park ranger hut and met the kid, who definitely didn't seem right. He had strange markings, but what was more worrying was the sudden storm that was rolling in. A storm that we learned happened whenever a child in the area would go missing. There's two things that I think are inarguably true about COC-style games. They use percentile dice, and it always feels scary rolling those d10s. And the game itself is very deadly. I walked into this one shot without any expectation of living, which became all the more evident as we took out a couple of uh, motorbikes to investigate a cave site where the missing child had disappeared, and one of the bikes ended up crashing just trying to make it up the road uh, during the downpour. Um, I'm not sure we got what we were looking for, uh, while we were up there, we found evidence of something uh, and a frighteningly tall creature that tried to chase after us. We were able to dispatch it, thankfully, but as soon as we did, the campers who had made it to the park ranger's hut had gone insane, and there weren't enough bikes for us to get back quickly either. Two of our squad left to investigate, while the other two of us, uh, Lee Palmer, myself included, uh, uh, began our hike back down the path. The rest of the experience uh, for myself and the other player was uh, being chased by small, undead-esque children trying to drag us down into the earth. I ended up using my camera flash to help untangle the other investigator from the uh, clawing children as we just booked it down that path. Um, incredibly tense for so simple a scene. By the time we got back to the welcome center, the damage was already done. Uh, whatever was going on here had driven out, uh, driven one of the campers insane, and he had to just be put down. The kid was missing, so we had to think fast. So, and we did what we thought seemed natural. We lied our asses off to get the survivors to tell a story masking whatever actual terror existed in Hetch Hetchy, which the keeper told us was <laughs> about how well you can expect to do, uh, to do in Delta Green campaigns. As we drove the SUV back, to base, we passed by another car with the two parents of the lost child, probably never to see him again. And damn, that was a fun game. I'm sure I'd have more fun with it behind the screen as I usually do, but it was great to see the GM, who was a veteran of the system, really helped the game shine for someone who had only this amalgam of thoughts of what it could be. Definitely one I'm going to keep in mind for the future, either playing or running, that's for sure. I don't think, especially for Lovecraftian horror, that there's enough representation of it in a modern era. So that's going to continually keep a shine for me for Delta Green. And um, as a quick aside, it's also probably why I ended up enjoying, uh, enjoying so much um, a couple of recent films I saw, uh, The Color Out of Space, based on an actual Lovecraft uh, story, and The Void. 
both uh, great films. If you're into cosmic horror, I would definitely recommend checking them out. The next game I played was actually a more traditional Call of Cthulhu experience, but on the opposite end of the timeline, uh, Cowboy Days, the Wild West. I knew there was some other weird stuff that gets added to Western setting COC or weird West stuff in general, uh, but I didn't get enough into the crunch to see it. The adventure we played, Four Hours to Reno, was about escorting a gang we had captured down to another town for justice, and as you might expect, it didn't go according to plan, much like the previous game. There were a number of things that went wrong. We all left the uh, wounded sheriff alone with the gang, for starters. There was a weird murder that happened on the train, with such a gory scene that my character, uh, a rancher, ended up throwing up. Uh, And then there was the typical cult stuff that went on. Secret societies doing nefarious things um, all on the train as well. All that happened uh, at the same time when the bandits also uh, overpowered the sheriff. And we had to have a shootout in the middle of one of the cars. This adventure I actually didn't live through. I ended up getting too deep into the heat of combat and my uh, whip-wielding cowpoke bit the dust just a few rounds in. The nice thing about it is that the game is deadly for everyone, so the NPCs, uh, the NPC enemies went down just as quickly, just not before I did. This was a good adventure too, and I had a lot of fun playing it, but I think it's the time periods that prevent me from being sold on COC itself, whether it's um, Jazz Era or, uh, Wild, or Weird West. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the movies, uh, those take place in a modern setting, and that is something I'm just ready to jump right into. The fact that uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is one of my favorite games probably is also a good indicator about my affection for modern setting-based horror. If you put it together from the recap I included, I also played the Alien RPG that weekend, and I loved it, flat out. I adored every aspect of it, even as someone who has only seen the first Alien movie, which I loved, and has some vague recollection of Prometheus and about a half dozen hours in Alien Isolation, I knew within the first hour of playing it that it was going to be one of those games that I would remember for a long time to come. And it showed me the real magic of just, as I said in the first episode of this show, what you can find sitting around a table with a bunch of strangers pretending to be imaginary people. One of my friends agreed to sit in and play it with me. Uh, Little did I know he was a horror aficionado. And we just kept talking about the game after it as well. It was just pure fun, what was happening at that game. Before I get too into it, I'll start with the system mechanics. If you're familiar with the Year Zero system by Free League Publishing, then it's the same as that, or so I'm told. It's all D6s, where you just roll a bunch of dice, and you only need one six in order to succeed at a task. There's also yellow panic dice, which rolling a one causes you to stress out, and much like the movies, the more of those damned yellow dice you roll, the closer you are to things going downhill. The one, thematically, is represented by the facehugger, and it hurts every time you see it. It's definitely a narrative-centric game, and I think if you can get into the feel of its source material, the more you'll enjoy it. From my experience, the mechanics provided a fluid system that kept the tension ripe throughout the entire scenario we played. Chariots of the Gods. Our ship, the USCSS Montero, was on a delivery mission for the Weyland yutani Corporation, where along the way we detected a distress beacon. We traced the signal, but ended up finding uh, just what you might expect. Absolutely nothing. 
Mind you, we just got out of cryo sleep, so this was the last thing we wanted to deal with. My character, in particular, was motivated to want to escape his current career of running cargo and instead have his own ship be his own captain. He just wanted to get this paycheck and keep it moving. Of course, it wouldn't be in the vein of Alien if it were that simple. Our mother, the ship AI mainframe on board the Montero, informed us that our job had changed. The explosives inside our cargo bay had to wait. Instead, we were to triangulate the signal, which came from a long-thought-missing USCSS Cronus ship, who were to return from a distant planet with, quote-unquote, scientific research material. Um, All of us at the table knew what was coming, and we couldn't wait for it to happen. Things got off to a rough start right off the bat as well. We had trouble hooking our ship up to the silent, listless Cronus floating in space and had to risk an airlock tunnel to get in. We almost lost one of the roughnecks to space as he just kept stressing out, unable to actually crack open the hull of the ship to get us in. It only got eerier uh, once we were aboard the Cronus. I think probably the uh, the GM was a little lenient because we weren't even in the adventure before someone was about to die. Um... Uh, But once again, the game mechanics helped serve this tension. You have uh, resources, and for each of those, you have one of those yellow die that you need to roll. So exploring a ship without a running oxygen system, you'd have to make air supply checks regularly. The suits we had uh, for each of the crew members started with five air units, but each time we rolled and got a one, we lost one of those units. Time was ultimately our most important resource. So we split up from there, carefully navigating through stairwells on the various decks. The engineers made their way down to the reactor to try and get it back online, while the corp agent and myself, the captain, took a look around the computer systems. It's weird thinking back to how long just coming up with plans to walk down corridors took out of and in character, but I think that makes sense given the dread and horror you expect the alien RPG to evoke. You're not really turning corners in a hurry when you can tell that everything is a little bit out of place. And ultimately, I'd say the Game Master succeeded greatly in providing that tension. While the crew down below was trying to get the ship back up, a white-skinned alien uh, creature ambushed them, and so began our combat tutorial, a system where one of the attacks the alien can do is literally called instant death. I, I love it so, so much. It's awesome. It's great. I can't wait to play it again. The two of us, a couple of decks up, tried to crawl through some of the vents to catch up, only to find a number of spore growths in one of the rooms uh, that I crawled out of uh, on the ship. Between our fumbling, the crew was actually able to kill the creature through sheer luck. It was bad rolls on both sides throughout the entire game. He was rolling right in front of us, too, to show us that no one was... It was bad for everybody. (laughs) Um, But when we regrouped, my character saw one thing in this creature... Uh, after the uh, crew members of the Roughnecks downstairs had put it down, um, my captain saw dollar signs, and I gave an order. We needed air, so we headed back to the Montero to resupply and figure out how to tow the Cronus behind us. Um, because if there was anything that this corpse, this scientific body could provide, was a paycheck. So we made it back to the Montero. Then that familiar light flash and signal blaring came on. Our ship's reactor was having a meltdown with tons of explosives just a few feet below us, and we had to think fast. We snagged what supplies we could, the pilot set um, the Montero on autopilot away from us, and we got back to the Cronus just in the nick of time. But we had one more surprise waiting. As we looked through the armory for air tanks and weapons, the ship came back on, and so did the cryopods of the crew 
kept in stasis for decades. That's a hell of a cliffhanger and an unforgettable game for sure. I didn't expect this to be the highlight of my weekend, but I was floored by what an experience we ended up walking away with. Like I said, my friend and I just kept talking about the game for days after. It was just such a rush. The presentation of the materials itself too, like the book, is just as sleek and stylish as the gameplay. I have said it multiple times <laughs> within the past few minutes. I can't wait to play this one again. And speaking of uh, sleek and stylish, I had a surprise checking for last events to fill my weekend. I found one of the slots open for a Cyberpunk Red game had opened up on Sunday. I hadn't played any of the Cyberpunk RPGs prior, and I am, just like everyone else in the world, pumped for the Cyberpunk 2077 game, but I've always enjoyed Cyberpunk as a setting. I was crazy into Netrunner, uh, the LCG, the living card game by Fantasy Flight a few years back, and Shadowrun Dragonfall, one of the more recent PC adaptations, is absolutely one of my favorite RPGs. So I jumped on this chance and didn't regret it. Uh, The GM ran us through an adventure he had written himself with a full crew to run it for. It's uh, called, And You Thought This Was Just a Courier Mission, so of course it wasn't. I played our group's fixer named Grease, and I got the vibe from the game that it's also one that adapts well to a strong narrative table flow. I've gone on long enough today, so I'll give you the straight dope. Cyberpunk Red is a badass game. Just as deadly as anything else I played that day, but man, does it help you feel like a badass. We went to go pick up from the package for our job only to be ambushed by mime assassins on the outskirts of a nuclear blast zone where I called my stalker friends, I'm, I'm serious, my stalker friends out to help us take down uh, the mimes, only to have our driver mow down the entire clown-faced crew. And then, uh, later on, the netrunner hacked into a network running turrets and cameras of a warehouse to rescue our client while throwing strobe lights to pick up, or to uh, pick off the corp cops, keeping an eye on our uh, client, just, oh man, wow. Uh, I picked that quick start up so fast. What a fun game. Um, and it seems easy, too, from what I've read. It's got more stats than D&D, but for the most part, you're just adding your stat skill and throwing a D10 to see what happens. The combat system it uses, uh, Thursday Night Throwdown, keeps the fast tempo the game's genre and style encourages, and so long as you and your GM have room to flex your creativity, you're going to have a blast. It also does a good job of... Um, defining its actions and the kinds of things you can do on your turn so even though it's still more of a narrative style based game there's still that rigidity and structure uh, for you to rely on for actually playing so all right i'm looking at the script now so i'm not sure uh at the end of it all but i'm, pr- I'm pretty sure this is the longest episode that i've had so far in the show and i really didn't think it was just going to be one where i'm rambling about games that i played at gen con but uh here we are Uh, As always, thanks for dropping by and giving a listen. Let me know what you guys think about me talking about being a player for a change. I think that's something I really enjoy doing going like uh, further down the road. Um, And if you have any other thoughts you want to send to me, feel free to. You can get a hold of me via email at dmdiscoursepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at dmdcpodcast. As always, take care and have a great week.